Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus, episode 67, the top 11 films of 2018. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I am your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion, and yo, 2018 is almost over! At the current time of this recording, we are on the 30th of December, there is only like one extra day of 2018 after this before... We wiped the slate clean. We're in a totally different year to experience a whole load of new films all over again. And you know that your boy, the Hypersonic 55, will be there to go about and talk about all that good juice. But before that, it's that time of year where we have to go about and look back at 2018 and then compile a list of the best films of the year. And I am not going to lie, this year has been a pretty difficult one in terms of articulating my list. I've had some really fun, interesting and surprising experiences in the cinema. I've also had to deal with a lot of crap, but none of that is going to, you know, be compiled in this episode. With my top 10, I thought it was sorted for the longest time, but as of October, the list kept switching again and again, and in this last month, in December, in the last two weeks especially, I have shifted my list around several times. And then when I thought I had my list sorted, I decided, you know what, screw it, it can't be a top 10. I have to put another entry in. So this year we're doing a top 11 because screw you is my list and I can do whatever the hell I want. So yeah, we've got 11 films to talk about, which I thought were pretty good in 2018. And I also have a good few honorable mentions because there were a number of films in this that were on the list, but they just got, uh, you know, taken out. And I just want to give them a brief mention because these are films that are really solid and they are also ones that you should see if you haven't seen them already. But anyway, enough about that. Let's get into this top 11 and then talk about those honorable mentions later. So without further ado, let's jump in, baby. Okay, so starting off at number 11, we happen to have A Quiet Place. Now, this is a film that I was really interested in seeing once I saw the trailers. I had heard about the film prior to seeing any of the marketing, but I thought, you know what, this is interesting, but I don't know if this will grab me. But after seeing the trailers, I was like, ooh, okay, you have me, film. And then after the positive word of mouth came out, I was like, you know what, okay, now I need to see it. So I saw it with a good few mates from work, and I was like, yo, this film is damn good. Now, I'm not a big fan of horror. I have literally made that very apparent on this podcast many a time, but this film really gripped me. I think one of the things I really liked about it was just the sense of atmosphere. This film was really good at creating this uh, tone, this feeling of dread, a constant feeling of you know uneasiness because of this uh, situation the family has to go through. This film centers on a family that is essentially trying to make it through this post-apocalyptic world while trying not to make any sound, otherwise they get attacked by these crazy sightless aliens who can, you know, pick up any sound and then basically find your location and kill you 
And it's interesting because, you know, you not only have this crazy situation with these aliens that you have to deal with, but you also have this family drama that's going on. Straight from the beginning of the film, you get introduced to this family. You see that these guys have gone through a lot of stuff and that they have these like sort of problems that they have to deal with internally while also dealing with this crazy world that they have to live in and you know navigate their way through and yeah the tone the tension the tension good gravy this film try to kill me yo man it was too tense the drama was good the action was good the casting was great and as the directorial debut of John Krasinski the film was damn good he was really good in this film and Emily Blunt always good the children were really solid there were so many memorable scenes from interior to exterior locations the film was shot so well the use of sound and the lack of sound very effective really good really great stuff um, yeah this became one of my favorite films from the time I saw it and was in the top 10 straight away Okay, next up at number 10, we happen to have Widows. Now, this was a film that I wasn't really aware of its existence until I went to see A Star Is Born back in October, and I saw the trailer for this film, and I'm like, yo, where's this film been hiding? And I need to see it ASAP. Straight from the time that I saw the trailer, I was like, yo, this is great. I love all of the women involved in this. It seems like a really interesting story. And having the writer behind... Gone Girl, along with writing credits and directing credits from Steve McQueen, who did 12 Years a Slave, which I think was one of my favorite films of that year. I was like, I'm all in, I'm all in. And I watched the film and I was like, damn, this is a damn good movie. One of the things I really liked about the film is the fact that while you saw the general gist of what the film was about in the trailer, there was so much more going on with this film in terms of the characters, their interactions, some of the history, the way in which certain things play out. And the story had so many unexpected twists and turns and reveals where you're just like, man, there was so much more to this film beyond the trailers and I love that. I love when trailers can give you a general gist of the film, show you a good chunk, but not show you, you know, not reveal the entirety of what's behind the curtain. This film was really, really solid. Very tense, very suspenseful, very interesting. I love the cast. The main women all did a fabulous job. Viola Davis always does a good job. Michelle Rodriguez, I love her. Elizabeth Debicki, like who I remember first coming across her in Guardians of the Galaxy number two. She was really, really good and really flexed her, you know, was it artistic muscles as an actress she was really good and Cynthia Erivo she was really good in this film as well as well as her appearance in Bad Times at the El Royale and there were just so many other great performances from Colin Farrell, Brian Tyree Henry, Jackie Weaver, Liam Neeson but my boy Daniel Kaluuya oh my god this guy was a beast he was so scary I've never seen someone so intense and unsettling this was his film to shine man i mean like if you really liked him and get out in black panther see him in this film he was real good the story is really interesting about these women who end up having to pull off a heist because their criminal husbands who tried to pull it off the first time you know was it ended up getting killed and they owe some money to some people who really need it to be done or you know they're going to make trouble for these women it was a really solid story really good you need to see it it's it's solid really good stuff and now we move on to number nine with Whitney. Now this is a film that I was not even aware existed until the week I ended up seeing it. When I was up in Sheffield and I just happened to be in the area when the film was on. So I was like, you know what, let me just give this film a watch and 
Good gravy, this film hit me in the emotional center. It came from the same director who did Marley, the uh, Bob Marley documentary from 2012, and that was one of my favorite films of that year, I believe. And so I can definitely see the sort of similarities in terms of the way in which he chose to direct this film, because there is a great deal of information uncovered that I feel like a good chunk of the people in the world weren't aware of until you'd end up seeing this film. The film was really effective, had some really great use of archive footage and it was put together in such a way where it allowed you to go super deep in the emotional territories for you to discover all these interesting things about Whitney's life from the beginning in her teenage years when she rose to fame, seeing how she interacted with certain people and realizing the sort of I guess negative impacts that happened in her life early on not only with her family but also with her husband and also you know some of the really really dark stuff that happened with her family that no one knows about and I was just like my gosh the wind was blown out of me I was hitting the head with a rock of emotions the film was damn good really good and it really reminded me of why I you know appreciate Whitney's music man she's a damn good vocalist and if you weren't aware of like you know the majority of her discography then this film gives you a good window into all of that and how important and how mesmerizing she was to the world at that point in time uh, the film's really good uh, and you should just give it a watch it's, it's really good Alright, and at number 8 we happen to have Bumblebee, a fairly recent entry in this list but I cannot deny after I saw this film I was grinning like a little kid because this was the film in a Transformers series that I really really wanted or is as close to what I want for the time being because yeah after you know five Transformers films which you know arguably the first one's pretty much the only good one and the rest of them just got progressively worse with you know convoluted stories you know better CGI but all sorts of foolish idiotic things going on especially with the human characters and a misuse of the Autobots and a big amalgamation of mess going on with like you know lore and continuity and all this other sort of palaver but this film just took it back to basics made it very simple you had Bumblebee who was one of the Autobots who was on Cybertron him and the rest of the Autobots had to flee because they were getting attacked by the Decepticons he goes to Earth tries to hide and in that time he happens to come across Haley Steinfeld's character they form a bond but there's also two other Decepticons and the government coming after him for reasons that are you know was it apparent once you see the film but good gravy this film was fun Travis Knight I love what he did with Kubo and the Two Strings and this film really felt like it echoed some of those sentiments it definitely had a Iron Giant kind of feeling to it and it just had a sense of playfulness a sense of fun energy and heart that this series has not had ever it just feels like I'm watching a totally different film the 80s tone which is really good which some people have said you know is a little overbearing I thought it was fun the use of the 80s soundtrack was really good the central bond between Charlie and Bumblebee is really good Haley Steinfeld I love her in everything so she was really good John Cena I really liked him in this film the visual effects are insanely delicious with some of the clearest well done magical stuff that I've ever seen from Industrial Light and Magic so far the interaction between you know is it live action and real life footage is good and this stuff on Cybertron is some of the most incredible Transformers stuff I've seen since the Transformers games 
on you know was it the PS4 and an Xbox 360 back in the mid to late 2000s well, it's actually late 2000s but anyway Bumblebee is a really good film any people who have been jaded on the Transformers franchise I believe will really enjoy this one uh, don't think about the continuity too much just take this film as it is and I think you'll have a good time it's, it's really good alright and at number 7 we happen to have Mission Impossible Fallout Oh, this film is a lot of fun. Now, as a fan of the Mission Impossible franchise, primarily from Ghost Protocol onwards, it's just really crazy to see how this franchise has started in the 90s and then progressed to the point where it is just ascending in terms of its quality, the use of its cast, its ongoing storyline, and the crazy action sequences. This, this film was just fun. I really enjoyed myself. I have been an action junkie in terms of, you know, watching films since I was, you know introduced to these kind of films by my dad when I was about six or seven years old so to see this Mission Impossible franchise just continue to excel at what it does best in creating these really intriguing storylines where it takes the main characters against crazy villains in these next level situations which are simple yet complex with interesting layers and stuff like that along with really insanely well done action sequences which just get more and more intense and mind-boggling as the franchise goes on it's incredible one of the things I really liked about Mission Impossible Fallout is its ties to Rogue Nation, how it was able to bring some of the cast members from that film back and then also have ties to Mission Impossible 3. The use of its cast in terms of the main cast, supporting cast was all good. I love Tom Cruise, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Sean Harris, Michelle Monaghan, Alec Baldwin, Henry Cavill and Angela Bassett who were new people in this film. They were really solid in their roles. I love Henry Cavill in this film. The that fight sequence in that bathroom is so good the use of sound camera work is so delicious and that halo jump sequence when Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill jump out of that plane and you see the way in which the camera continuously tracks their movements in that free fall oh insane this film is so well done so well executed and that soundtrack by Lorne Balf is fabulous so good oh just thinking about the film gets me all giddy Obviously, if you're not on the hype already, then it's kind of hard to convert anyone who's not, you know, interested in the Mission Impossible franchise, but I feel like this film was a damn good entry, and one of my favourites of the year, obviously. And at number six, we happen to have Crazy Rich Asians, a film that I'd heard a certain amount of hype about coming out of America, but I wanted to see the film for myself when it had a limited release in the UK. I think a few weeks after that and I saw the film I was like my goodness this film I love this film after I came out of that film I was just in love I thought the film was so good so sweet so emotionally charged and fun and funny and just the film left a good feeling in my soul and that was surprising considering the fact that I'm not overly interested in romance is you know a main part of my films I don't mind romance in films as long as it's not the main part but this film really captivated me with its cast, its uh, story, its interesting, you know, uh, rules about the way in which, you know, Asian, Asian heritage works. And, you know, was it just seeing how things operated in Singapore, how Rachel and Nick had this relationship that once Rachel went to Singapore and then realized the greater world that Nick was a part of that she wasn't aware of before and had to deal with so much palaver and hatred and vile horrible things from Nick's family and friends 
she goes through a whirlwind of dramas and I felt so much for her and I just wanted to see their relationship work out the film was shot really well it had some really beautiful scenes the costume design was wonderful the film score from uh, Brian Tyler was really good and that music that was used during the uh, during the credit sequence was fantastic so good I just really fell in love with this film I loved all of the actors and actresses involved from Constance Wu to Henry Golden Gemma Chan uh, Ken Jong was really good, Aquafina was really good, and Michelle Yeoh, oh my gosh, I've never seen such a scary version of this lady in any film so far, but she was really good. Uh, the film was just, just delightful, and I think it was the happiest I left the cinema, like, all year. Alright, now that we're getting into the top 5, my first film on this list at number 5 is Annihilation. Now, for the longest time, Annihilation was probably my favourite film of the year. When I saw it, it left such a strong impact on me, but as the year went on and certain other films that came out were, you know, more in my wheelhouse, this film went down the list a little bit, but that doesn't mean by any means that it is, you know, any lesser of a film. This film is probably one of the most thought-provoking, intense, and otherworldly films I've ever seen. The film was just absurdly strange and engaging and fascinating. The main word I want to use about this film is fascinating. As you learn about the film with its uh, non-linear storytelling, seeing how things progress and get scary and tense and more suspenseful and all sorts of... Wow, this film is really, really good. The next film from Alex Garland, who I really loved his work on Ex Machina, and this film just excels at, you know, giving you the same sort of feelings that you got from that film, except just accentuated by like 10,000. This film was really good. The cast were insanely good. Natalie Portman, really good. Jennifer Jason Lee, really good. Gina Rodriguez is good. Tessa Thompson is good. Oscar Isaac, Tuva Novotny. Oh man, I'm really butchering that name, but yeah, the film was good, the soundtrack was insane, and here's the thing, this film probably won't be for everybody, it's a very thought-provoking film, and after the film is over, you'll probably have a lot of questions, and you know, maybe some answers, but probably not that many, and you'll probably want to watch the film maybe two or three more times, to, you know, was it ascertain what's going on, and I feel like as much as this film gives you certain things that, you know, have conclusive answers, there is a fair amount that I think you're left to, you know, just interpret on your own. And, yeah, I just, I thought this film was good. Learning about the world of the Shimmer, the interesting creatures and plants and designs of all this stuff, the visuals get really crazy and trippy on occasions, and there is just some really really unsettling, disturbing and just unnatural things that call back to certain memories about certain, you know, is it anime shows, especially Full Metal Alchemist that I just chose not to think about anymore and this brought it up in a really bad way. But the film is really good, really solid, really incredible material and, uh, you know, don't dismiss it because it's on Netflix, it's some good stuff and you should give it a watch. And now we move on to film number four, a Star is Born. Now, this is another film that I didn't expect to love nearly as much as I did, but when I saw the trailers for it and then started to get, you know, was it a whiff of what the soundtrack would be like, I was like, yo, this film is starting to get me a little bit. But then I saw the film and <sighs> talk about knocking the wind out of your sails, man, getting you, you know, giving you that emotional gut punch. 
This film was all sorts of intense emotion for me throughout. I felt like I went through a roller coaster of emotions and I was just, you know, kind of shook by the end of it. I kind of just wanted to shed tears in a corner where no one could see me. But honestly, this film is damn good, especially for a directorial debut from Bradley Cooper. Him and Lady Gaga have some of the most authentic chemistry I've seen from any two actors for the longest time. And it's even more, you know, impressive that Lady Gaga, she's been acting for a little while now, especially on TV and stuff like that. But she's definitely come into a totally new realm with this film. And while this role was technically made for her, you know, just to show off her incredible singing talents, which she has, this also demonstrated a level of skill in the acting department that I feel like a lot of people weren't aware that she had. She has a lot of range. Her material, not only with Bradley Cooper, but singular on her own as well, is really good. The uh, whole cast are really good. Andrew Dice Clay is really good. Dave Chappelle is really good. And Sam Elliott, good gravy. That guy has some really, really strong moments in this film. And the music, oh my gosh. The soundtrack for this film is insane. And after the film was over, I just wanted to listen to it straight away. These songs are just genuinely fun, interesting, heartwarming, dramatically effective. They get to the core of your soul. And man, when Lady Gaga like ends up doing that song for the first time along with Bradley Cooper, I felt like I was watching movie magic happen. It was so good. And yeah, there is so much drama and emotion that you end up feeling in this film and while I guess depending on if you've seen any of the previous versions of this film beforehand you can you know I guess see where the film is going I have never seen any of the previous versions and I thought that this film was just really really effective just wow you know just really good so yeah A Star Is Born is my number four Alright, getting into the top three, and this is where things are going to start to get a little bit more familiar for those who are aware of who I am. At number three, we happen to have Avengers Infinity War. Ha ha, yeah, you thought this would probably be number one, but no, there are two other films that are just above it. But yeah, this was a very, very, very hard film not to put on my number one because Avengers Infinity War obviously being the culmination of 10 years of the MCU, so many films, so much build up, so much hope and, you know, mystery you know, surrounding this film, would the Russo brothers be able to take, you know, all the foundations of what's come before in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and be able to give us a satisfying story that gave progression but also conclusion to, you know, was it these stories involving some of our favorite superheroes but also introduced the character of Thanos in a, you know, was it rounded, well-versed version of the character that would be satisfying and obviously sort out the whole MCU villain issue that's been you know recurring for a good while and for me this film hit the ball out of the park it was all sorts of intense emotions watching this straight from the beginning seeing what happens with Thor, Hulk and Thanos and the Black Order and then seeing how the battles brought to earth how everything just has a greater sense of scope, agency, craziness and dramas and dramas and dramas by the end of the film, good gravy, I feel like everybody in my cinema was literally just in a state of shock, depression, and just, ugh. This film went for it. It killed people. It took its time. It showed a great sense of drama, and, you know, was it just a sense of dread and atmosphere that 
I don't think many of the MCU films have had up until this point. The Russo brothers did the best job that they could, balancing several different sets of characters from several different parts of the universe and then putting them together, having these interesting interactions between so many of these different characters that you never thought you'd see. You know, from your basic stuff like Iron Man and Spider-Man to Thor interacting with Star-Lord to seeing what would happen when Tony Stark and Doctor Strange butted heads. There were just a lot of really great interactions between several of the different characters in several different locations with a really varied and interesting color scheme, a great art direction, the visual effects for the most part were really, really good. And it's just that story, that storyline, which, you know, if you're invested in the MCU like I have been since the very beginning in 2008, this film just has so much references to the past and the present and the future. It hit every single button that it needed to for me. This film was Thanos' story. The acting was just solid all around. Major props to Josh Brolin as Thanos. Obviously, Robert Downey Jr. in the role of Tony Stark. You know, we love Benedict Cumberbatch. We like Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth. Bradley Cooper did great as Rocket Raccoon. Obviously, much love to my boy Tom Holland as Spider-Man. It was great to see Chadwick Boseman again as Black Panther. There was just so much. There was so much going on. And I understand, if you're not invested in the MCU, this probably wasn't for you. But for me, this was my everything. It was so much fun. But it was also so intense and dramatic and emotionally draining. <laughs> it was so good. It was good stuff. Alright, and now we're at number two, and we happen to have another recent entry on the list in the form of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse now. This film, whoo, I was on board from the time that the first teaser trailer came out, but I didn't expect this film to be so intense with the references, the wonderful introduction to Miles Morales in, you know, animated form, the visual effects, which were all sorts of crazy magic goodness, and the emotional core of this film, which has all the best elements of why you love any sort of Spider-Man character, all implemented into a film which I didn't think that Sony would be able to pull off in the way in which they did, but they did it. And oh, good gravy, where to start? The cast were really good. I love what they did with Miles Morales in this film. He was essentially just, you know, a normal teenager who was brought into this situation which was much larger than himself, and then he had to, you know, was it adjust on the fly, but then also become a hero necessary to take on the task, which was, you know, was it just monumental and way out of his league and seeing all these different spider-based characters from different dimensions come into you know assist him in this crazy battle was great from spider-man noir who was voiced wonderfully from by nick cage to penny parker to gwen stacy as like you know was it spider gwen which is really good and this weird version of peter parker voiced by jake johnson which i hated initially in the trailers but seeing the context for how his character ended up in the way in which he was he had such a really, really great backstory. I love this central connection between him and Miles having this sort of student-mentor relationship, but also Gwen and Miles having this great relationship as this wonderful trifecta. Peter, Gwen, and Miles just had this great, like, you know, is it banter and back and forth and just this wonderful relationship. But at the center of it all, it is a great introduction and origin story for Miles Morales. His whole story, the stuff going on with his family and the main villain like you know dealing with uh, not only kingpin and his crazy plan but also some of the other villains that come into play gosh so good 
but that those visual effects oh my gosh this film has so many layers in terms of the visual effects from all the crazy camera movements that they're able to pull off to these wonderful insanely good action sequences which that you could only pull off in the world of, you know, as an animation with such a sense of vibrancy, slickness, attention to detail and layers of, you know, was it 3D animation with, you know, was it comic book style colors and illustrations and just it's all put together in such a wonderful way. There is a wonderful sense of drama, but there's also so much humor and uh, towards the end of this film, it gets so trippy and crazy. But it's so fun and interesting and wonderful and the post credits for this film is the best post credit scene I've ever seen in my life probably. Since the time that post credits have become a thing in superhero films I feel like some of them especially in the last five years have gotten a little stagnant but this one if you're a fan of the Spider-Man source material this is just it's perfection. It's just the most delightful crazy insane thing ever. Now this film will you know, your love for this film will definitely vary on how well you are, you know, versed in Spider-Man, how many of the adaptations you've seen beforehand, and, you know, whether you care about Spider-Man at all. I think for young people, they will just enjoy having this new version of Spider-Man, but for also, you know, long-term Spider-Man fans, especially older people, there is a lot to love in terms of the references that, you know, just show up verbal, visual, or otherwise, it's good. This film, just go watch it. If you haven't seen it already, just do it now. Go, go watch it now. Alright, and here is my number one film for 2018. It happens to be a film I actually saw recently, and man, after I saw it, I just knew it had to be my number one because it is one of the most gripping films I've seen of the year. My number one is Searching. Now, this is a film I actually had the opportunity to potentially see in the cinema back in August, but due to work commitments and feeling just a little lazy on some of my days off, I decided not to watch it, and I feel really bad because this film was really, really good, and I wish I'd seen it in the cinema because I feel like the emotional, like, journey would have been even more intense being in that cinema screening. But yeah, this film essentially follows a father who's trying to find his teenage daughter, who he needs help finding so he uses the power of social media and the help from police detective to try and find her and this film is just insane so good now I've seen a good few thriller films where you know someone goes missing or someone gets kidnapped and there are you know was it numerous things that you could assume goes down and depending on how many of these films you've seen you could probably guess where certain things are going however I've seen a certain amount of films, but even then, with the amount of twists and turns that happen in this film, you just didn't know where it was going to go. And I just loved how, as the film progressed, you know, things got more desperate and strange and suspicious. And just as the film goes on and then has later reveals and revelations, good gravy, you just wouldn't have been able to, you know know where this film was going it was insane and there was at least I think maybe two or three points where I thought the film would end but it just kept going and then getting even more surprising this film caused me all sorts of mental stress and you know as it tension and oh my gosh it was just it was an emotional roller coaster and I just loved every second of it because at first I'm, you know, was it invested in this family and then after the door goes missing, you want to see where it goes and you want, you know, is it John Cho to find his daughter and like, you know, is it just get everything sorted? But there are just so many mysteries and interesting things going on 
and then as the film progresses and then things just get even more complicated and strange and what the hell is going on you know that kind of thing it's just my gosh this film was just stressful and I loved it and the way in which it was done you know shot in terms of the use of computer screens and smartphones and you know was it camera stuff from the news it was really well done it felt very authentic and inclusive it made you feel like you were part of what was going on and it never felt like it was overly gimmicky it just worked and after a while you just sort of settled into it and the film was just really effective really good and by the time it was over I just felt you know was it just a great sense of you know was it satisfaction with what I'd seen this film is damn good and it's probably not one that many people have seen but if you haven't seen searching yet please do yourself a favor and give it a shot it's it's really good Alright, and that is my top 11 films of the year. However, there were a good few films that were so close to being on this list that I just need to mention before this episode's over. So I'll quickly go through all of them right now. Firstly, you haven't had Bird Box, a film that I saw fairly recently, but considering all the hype surrounding it, I was like, you know what, let me give this a watch. And it was a fairly compelling, really interesting film with really great performances from everybody involved, whether it be the kids or Sandra Bullock or John Malkovich, or the dude from Moonlight, whose name I'm forgetting at the moment, but yeah, the film was really effective, had a really interesting gimmick with people having to, you know, obviously cover their eyes while being outside because of this crazy supernatural entity spirit kind of thing that's causing people to go crazy and stuff. Really, really well done movie. If you haven't seen it, give it a check out on Netflix. It's probably one of the best Netflix films I've seen in recent times. Then there's Incredibles 2. The sequel that I waited 14 years on my life for, and you know, for the most part, I delivered. I really enjoy seeing these characters in, you know, was it much more, you know, polished visuals, seeing the story, how it progressed with, you know, was it the role reversal of Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, and seeing how they had to deal with their new different types of roles. The new villain, while predictable, still was pretty cool. The visual side of things were great. The way in which they used these crazy dynamic action sequences, especially for Elastigirl and Void some of this stuff was really good the voice acting was really solid I like the music as usual Michael Giacchino did really well great stuff then you happen to have Bad Times at the El Royale which for the longest time was in my top 10 but just recently exited I thought this film was really interesting really good a great debut film for Drew Goddard I just liked how you had these several different characters from different places all entering this hotel and then seeing how this crazy story progressed with all these different characters having different interactions, the way in which the story had a non-linear way of telling itself, and just some of the performances from everybody involved were just, just stellar. Really solid material. I really quite enjoyed the film, especially with the film score as well, adding to the sense of fear and craziness. Jeff Bridges was really good. Chris Hemsworth was really good. And Cynthia Evero was really, really good. Also, you happen to have Overlord, that weird zombie film set during the war. I thought that was a pretty good movie. I thought the trailers for it were alright, but then seeing the film in action, it was quite captivating and fairly unique. I liked all the actors and actresses involved. It was quite tense and crazy and all sorts of madness, but it was really fun and engaging and 
after I saw it, I was like, yo, man, this is definitely taking, you know, was it a spot for the top 10? But it eventually fell out, but I still thought it was actually quite captivating. So if you haven't seen Overlord, give that a watch. And then there's Creed 2. Now, I was concerned about Creed 2, obviously, without having Ryan Coogler's involvement in there, but this film ended up being far more engaging than I expected. The interesting callbacks and, obviously, full ties to the Rocky mythology that's come beforehand, but also primarily to Rocky IV, with the return of Drago and his son, and then how they wanted to go about and basically take on Adonis, to restore their pride to Russia was really good. Seeing the continuing relationship between Rocky and Adonis was good, and obviously Adonis and his wife, and there was just some really emotionally effective stuff. The fight scenes were really good with some really, really well shot action stuff. The sound effects were good, and the film score was really good. While the film was definitely predictable and you could see where it was going, at the same time I just found it to be quite captivating, especially with the montage in this film, which was just really, really good. And then you have Sorry to Bother You, an interesting film which I heard a fair amount about coming out of America. And because my uncle saw it and he said it wasn't going to be for everyone, I thought I'd give this film a watch in good gravy as one of the most surreal and unnatural films I've ever seen in my life. To speak about what it's about would ruin the surprise. I mean, you can sort of talk around the main features that make this film crazy, but it's just just quite bizarre you happen to have one guy who's you know down in his luck doesn't really have much uh you know talents and he just happens to get a job at a call center and because he happens to do something in a certain kind of way he happens to move up the ranks but as he happens to you know was it get successes things start to get a little sinister and stranger and in this sort of weird version of the world there are greater forces at play that when they eventually come to pass, it's like, my gosh, it's crazy. Tessa Thompson's really good. The main guy whose name I'm forgetting is really good. Army Hammer's really good. And just the left turn that this film takes is just, what the hell? This film is definitely not going to be for everybody. There was a set, there was a good few people that left my cinema screen while it was happening, and that was before the major reveal. But if you have the time to watch it and you're open-minded... Give it a watch, though it just gets into some really weird, you know, territories. Black Klansman, which was another film I was looking forward to, ended up being quite good. A really good film from Spike Lee. Uh, there was just some really interesting, intense, real kind of stuff going on in that film. And yeah, man, I, I, I thought it was pretty effective. First Man from Damien Chazelle was pretty good. At the first sort of non-musical film that he's done, or at least non-music like you know music focus film that he's done I thought it was fairly effective Ryan Gosling was really good in this film as was Claire Foy the use of music especially during like uh, some of the final sequences in the film when we finally get to the moon was really effective but also just seeing how this film documented the sort of pain and loss and trial and error that comes with you know just trying to get to space at that point in time very effective really really good and then there's Black Panther another film that was in my top 10 for a while but then sort of slipped out after so another film you know started to supersede it but I thought the film was really effective it's a really good film with some great stuff in there the battle sequences are really good especially when it comes to the hand-to-hand -hand combat stuff the uh, you know story materials whether they're talking about themes relating to family you know was it 
secrets and lies, the need for revolution, changing the status quo, obviously the stuff to do with race is really important. The cast happens to be probably my favourite of any of the Marvel films so far, with a really interesting and eclectic set of individuals who all did their jobs really well. The soundtrack by Ludwig Garrison is just really, really, really good. And yeah, besides some issues with the final fight being far too CG heavy and certain aspects of the film just falling into, I guess, the basic superhero tropes and some uses of characters that I would have liked to be done better, the film overall was really good and you should give it a watch. And then there's Bohemian Rhapsody, which was also a really good film. The main performance by Rami Malek was insane and the use of the Queen music from the popular stuff to the not so popular stuff was really well utilized. While there was obviously certain changes to the Freddie Mercury story which was just, you know, unnecessary or just, you know, obviously done for dramatic effect, it was really effective. I loved every member of the Queen band and, you know, the uses of so many of these famous actors and actresses just being put to use in this film was really quite solid. And finally, which you know, may not be on anyone's list, but I still quite like it, was Ready Player One. This film was, you know, fairly basic and, you know, generic and had a lot of cliches when it comes to these sort of action-adventure kind of films with, uh, you know, one main character who has a goal to do this, that, and the other and has a sort of, you know, potential relationship with the main female person, but what can I say? It was simple yet effective and obviously all the references, whether they be verbal or visual, were really good and that final action sequence just had so much insanity in there where I was just like, yo, this is my kind of jam. It was so much fun. So yeah, that was my honourable mentions. And with all that stuff out of the way, it's time to bring another episode of Film Focus to a close. Thank you very much for listening to me talk about not only my top 11 films of the year but also my honorable mentions as well this year has been quite tough in terms of you know is it articulating my list so don't think that this list is you know was it all set in stone because there is a chance that some of these may you know fluctuate but this is honestly my favorite films of the year and if you haven't seen any of those or the honorable mentions i highly encourage you to give them a watch they were all pretty good so with all that being said Thank you for listening, not only to this episode, but throughout 2018, if you have been, you know, was it a constant listener, I hope that you will join me for 2019, where there will be even more interesting and new experiences, not only for, you know, the films I'll be checking out, but also for me as well, uh, which will become apparent in the next month or so, so, you know. Stick with Film Focus. We're going to be having a lot of fun in 2019 and we'll be expanding and getting better. And uh, I hope that you will spread this to your friends and your family or anybody that's interested in podcasts because, yo, man, we're, we're here to grow and become more powerful. So if you want to holler at me, you can find me on Twitter where I'm at hypersonic 55 or at film focus 55 you can also find me via email at the hypersonic 55 at gmail.com also please be sure to check out the podcast on soundcloud and twitter and also on anchor i believe we're on there at the moment as well and yeah man just give me some ratings and you know subscribe if you're new to the podcast or if you're a long-term listener just you know join the crew because i would love to have you anyway that's me done Thank you for listening. Happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen. I'll see you in the year 2019. So until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace.